0: Bible in terms of God's grace. He had never taken the time to study the grace of God. So he set aside a whole day, a whole day to study nothing but the grace of God. But at the end of the day, he realized that a second day was going to be required And then, even after the third day, he had still not finished studying the grace of God. Finally, by the late afternoon of the fourth day, Moody got so excited about the grace of God that he felt like he had to go out into the street and tell somebody about the grace of God. And so he stopped this complete stranger and he said, my friend, do you know anything about grace? And the guy said, grace who? And why do you ask? And he said, the grace of God that brings salvation. Moody then walked off and left that man right there in the middle of the street wondering about the grace of God. Of God, All some people know about grace is grace who? They don't really know that it's not just the name of a woman. Grace has a whole lot to do with God. A whole lot to do with God. He is the God of all grace and our God is a gracious God. And it's important that we know about grace. Many people today feel like that they deserve all the good things that God has given them. I've worked hard for those things. You know, I've lived a good life. You know, I've tried real hard not to be sinful, and I deserve some good things. I deserve some good things in my life. Well, the reality is this. Every good and perfect gift comes by the grace of God, not because we deserve it. Friends, I got to tell you something. I don't know about you, but I know what I deserve. I know what I deserve. Do you know what I deserve? I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. But God says, I know you've fallen short of the glory of God. He says, I know you've sinned, but I am so full of grace. I am so full of goodness that I want to bless you, Bill Barlow. And I want to offer you eternal life if you will trust in my son, Jesus. Praise God on April the 14th, 1977. I did that. And I don't have to worry about what I deserve anymore. Now I know I have heaven as my eternal home. Titus chapter 2, page 1059. In the Bibles in front of you in the pew there. Page 1059 is a literal gold mine of God's grace. And it's up to us as believers to chisel out the gold mine to find these golden nuggets of truth about the grace of God. So if you would, turn to page 1059 in those Bibles, or in your own Bible, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, and let's read about the grace of God. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, Paul is writing to a young pastor friend. Titus is a young pastor friend. And he writes this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. How many men? All All men. Regardless of color. Regardless of gender, regardless of where they live, regardless of who they grew up, regardless of whether they're sinners, regardless of whether they're righteous, the salvation has appeared to all men. And it goes on in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us, he might buy us back from every lawless deed that Bill Barlow ever did. Amen. And purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, Speak these things, young Titus. Exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you. Paul's word to Titus tells us about the grace of God, but it also tells us what the grace of God can do for me and you. So I'm gonna give you a couple things today that'll tell you about the grace of God and what God's grace can do for you. Number one, the grace of God Brings us salvation. The grace of God saves us, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is writing to church members just like me and you. And here's what he tells them He says, In Him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of Of God's grace. It's because Jesus gave his life for you. That you are afforded being (laughs) bought back into a relationship with God. In other words, the only way that you can be forgiven of your sins. The only way that you can be bought back from a lifestyle of selfishness and sinfulness. Is by the grace of God. The only way that you can be brought into a relationship with God is by his grace that he reflected through his son, Jesus. You know, I read a story about an atheist who went to a revival meeting purely out of curiosity. Just had to find out what was going on. And so when the invitation time came at the end of the revival meeting, A man approached the atheist and was encouraging him to go and make a decision for Jesus. The atheist said, no, I'm not going to do that. And the, the Christian man said, well, don't you want God to forgive you of your sins? And the atheist said, no, I like my sins. You see, that's the problem. That's the problem with people. It's true for many people today. Simply, they're having too much fun. Or so they think. They're having fun. They're having too much fun in their sins. They're having too much fun living like the world lives. They're having too much fun to give up their sin. But we need to follow the the encouragement and the example of Moses. Who by faith when he grew up refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And chose to be mistreated along with the people of God Rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. This life on earth is a short time, friends. See, some people think that it's fun to drink and get drunk and get high. But ask them the next morning how they feel about that. I've been there, and that ain't no fun. It's horrible uh, having to deal with the after effects of having fun like that. Amen? Amen? The same problem existed a thousand years ago. Solomon is talking to God's people and he says, who has sorrow? He says, who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine. Those who sample bowls of mixed wine. And he encourages them, do not gaze at the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. Why? Because in the end, it bites like a snake. And it poisons like a viper. I'll just tell you this, scripturally and experientially through my own life, there is no upside to drinking alcohol. You hear me? No upside. You may say, oh, I just need to relax. Had a hard day at work today. But I'm here to tell you, all that does is change you. Are you saying that you don't need to be you when you're at home with your family? There's no upside to drinking. That's what the Bible says. And I'm telling you that from my own life. Some sin may seem pleasurable. Some sin may even bring delight to your physical body like sexual sin or overindulgence in eating or addiction to recreational activities. But let me tell you something, those things take people away from the Lord. They take people away from the Lord. I read about a Christian man who loved truck and tractor pulls. Now, I've never been to one, but I heard they're pretty fun. This guy got so involved in the the local truck and tractor pools that he decided he was going to build one for himself. So he built this big horsepower truck, and he started to compete in these truck and tractor pools. Well, soon he found that he was traveling, traveling to go and compete in these truck and tractor pools. Man, there is nothing wrong with going to a truck and tractor pool. Here was the problem. The problem was is that he began to miss corporate worship. Because he was traveling so much. And it was the family of God that suffered. His church family suffered because he wasn't there. He was devoting his time, he was devoting his attention, he was devoting his money to the things of the world. He was focusing on his gifts instead of focusing on the giver of the gifts. And it was Jesus that taught us that no one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or you will despise one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve God and the world. You cannot serve God and the things of this world, listen to this, whether they appear sinful or not. You must choose. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And friend, because God is love, He is gracious enough to save us from that which separates us from Him. That dreaded sin, cancer. He's done something. He's provided the remedy. He's provided the cure for that cancer. So how has His grace brought salvation to men? He so loved the world that He gave His Son... That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's how. He gave his son. God's grace has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ who became sin for me and you. And he did it so that we might be saved that we might be saved from that sin cancer, saved from the horrible price of sin and become righteous in the eyes of God. See, it's all about Jesus. Can you say that with me? It's all about Jesus. Say it again. It's all about Jesus. The grace of God has appeared to all men and it's all about Jesus. God, Jesus is God's grace come alive in the flesh. Jesus is God's grace impersonated. He is God's grace come alive. And the wages of sin is death, but praise God, the gift of God by the grace of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The undeserved grace of God has appeared to all men but the grace of God also teaches you and I how to live never really thought about this until I read this passage that the grace of God teaches me how to live listen carefully to verse 12 in a different translation it says it teaches us to say no say no No. say no No. say no. no no to ungodliness no to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God's grace teaches us to say no. No. Did your mom and dad ever tell you no? Told me no a bunch. Don't do that. There were certain things that were dangerous. No, son, no. No. No, you can't touch that hot stove. It'll burn you. No, don't play with matches. You'll burn the house down. No, don't teach, don't smoke nothing in that electrical socket. It'll shock you. No. There are times when mom took us shopping and we always wanted this and we always wanted that. And mom said, No, you can't have that. No, we can't afford that. No, you don't need that. No, son, no. It's the same way with God. It's the same way with God. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said, My son, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you, when he tells you no. Because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. That's why mom and dad said no. Because they love me. Just like a father corrects a child in whom he delights. I'll just tell you this, friend. A loving parent at times will say no to their children. A loving parent will say no every now and then to their children. And a loving parent will also discipline their child if they're naughty and nasty. I must have been real naughty and real nasty. (laughs) Wow! But I was very well loved too, amen? Praise the Lord for that. So it is with God our Father. God sometimes says no. No. It's all part of God in his matchless grace, get this, teaching us, what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. Son, this is good for you. Son, this is not so good. This is acceptable, but this is not acceptable. You know, there was one preacher that was preaching and called sin an abominable thing that God hates. And he went on preaching about how bad sin was. And after the sermon, a leader came up to him and said, Preacher, I've got to urge you. You've got to quit using that ugly word. And he said, what word? He said, that word sin. He said, why don't you use something else like an error? Why don't you use another word like shortcoming? Why don't you you call it a mistake? And the preacher said, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he reached into his desk drawer and he pulled out this bottle of arsenic. And he said, sir, do you see this red label on the bottle? He said, sure do. He said, read to me what it says. And he says, poison. He said, what if I were to take that label off and replace that that label with uh, a label that said candy? How'd that be? You see, friend, the more harmless the name, the more dangerous the poison. We're going to call sin what it is. Sin is sin. That's one of our problems today. We don't label sin as sin. It is what it is. We want to make it sound like it ain't so bad. Oh, man, he didn't lie. He just told a white one. He just exaggerated. No, he sinned. It happens in our homes. The way we treat our spouse. Man, I just lost my cool. No, you didn't. You sinned. I didn't just ignore my children. No, you sinned. Right? It happens in our schools. When we teach worldly values. Man, we're just teaching them science, what evolution says. No, you're not. You're teaching them sin because it's counter to the word of God. When we teach premarital and extramarital sex, it's socially acceptable. No, you're not. You're teaching sin. Movies are just lit up with it. For some reason, we just refuse to call sin by its first name. Do you know what sin's first name is? Tell me. Amen. Thank you. Does it have a last name? Amen. That's right. has a middle name, too. Sin. That's one huge reason why people refuse to fear God. It's one huge reason why why people don't recognize sin. The reason is we don't fear what sin can do to us. Sin destroys life. Sin destroys our lives. And so God wants us to show us what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Sometimes God says, no, you can't do that. It's not good for you, my child. It's not good for you, son. You can't be successful living life like that. I want the best for you, and you can't have the best. If you're doing what I say, you can't do. Some things in life are sinful. And the Bible's clear. Sometimes God says no. God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness, no to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Sometimes we just have to say no. Sometimes we have to realize that part of living in God's grace is that there are certain things we have to leave alone. There are certain things in this life that we have to say no to because it's not good for us. And God tells us those things. So God's grace brings salvation, but God's grace also teaches us how to live. And then time for some really good news towards the end of that passage because the God of grace, the grace of God gives us hope. Verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us, to buy us back from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. For 15 years and 555 episodes... American Idol was the top program on the Fox Network. Man, I used to love to watch that prop that program. All the singing talent or not. Amen. Remember the bloopers? Yeah, I love the bloopers too. But those young performers, man, just they just had a passion. Oh, their heart, they were artistic. They just wanted to show, they wanted the outpouring to express their artistic ability in song. But I wonder what was the real motivation why all those thousands upon thousands of people tried out for American Idol, what would you say it was? Money. Let's get real. I mean, American Idol, when it first started, offered the winner a $1 million singing contract. Awesome, man. And then it wasn't too long, uh, the X Factor showed up, and they offered a $5 million singing contract. Friend, even bigger money, even bigger motivation. It was all about the money. The sad thing in life today, the sad thing in people today is the hope of many people in our world is just to get wealthy. That's all they want to do is just get more money. They just want more wealth. Yet Jesus says in Matthew 16, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Yet loses his soul. There's one old saying that says, there's nothing wrong with having money as long as money don't have you. There Ain't a thing wrong with having money as long as money doesn't have you. But many people are controlled by money. They are controlled by making money. It occupies all their time, all their thoughts, even their whole life. That's all they think about. But a true believer, a true believer hopes in the Lord and hopes that God will provide for him day after day. They know that God is the good giver of every good and perfect gift. He is our hope in life. Not making money, not acquiring more possessions. He's my hope. He's my provider. He will give what I need. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. And John wrote about that in 1 John chapter 2. He said, do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and all of its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Friends, someday this world as we know it will cease to exist. For you, this world will cease to exist upon your death or When the Lord Jesus returns, it will be one of those two. Either way, your only hope beyond this life is the Lord Jesus Christ. You've only got one hope, and that is the Lord Jesus himself. We wait for the blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Christ. What's so great about Jesus returning? Friends, when we get to go home, there's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more crying. There's going to be no more death. Get this, there's going to be no more sin. No more sin. Only peace, joy, love, comfort, security. But praise God, there'll never be any more sin. John Newton said, When I was young, I was sure about a great many things. But now, there are only two things I'm sure of. One I am a miserable sinner. And two, Jesus Christ is an all-sufficient Savior. You may not know this, but John Newton wrote the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I wonder, did John Newton know something that we don't? What I think was, Newton knew 2 Corinthians 8-9. He knew the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich in heaven, for our sakes became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. I want to encourage you today to embrace God's grace. Embrace his grace. For the grace of God has brought salvation to all men. Embrace the salvation. Embrace the lifestyle that God's word and God's grace teaches us. Embrace the hope that God gives us through Jesus Christ. Embrace. The grace. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being so good to us. Even though we didn't deserve one. That in itself is a testimony of how much you love people. That though you were rich for our sakes became poor.